Hello and welcome to Risk Chats with a Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall, and of course we have our co-host, Mr. Dan over here. How you doing, Dan? Doing well, Paul. Glad to be back here doing another podcast with you. All right. Well, we're happy to be in person again. Hopefully that'll be the case for the most part going forward. Um, so today we have a very exciting topic and guest. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about something very hot in the news these days, that generative AI. So think of things like chat GPT. And if you don't know what that is, then you'll know pretty soon. Um, and we're going to specifically talk about some of the implications of that kind of technology on fraud, either for or, you know, anti-fraud or, or pro-fraud, so to speak. <laughs> for or against fraud. <laughs> um, and to do that, we have our guest, uh, Sophia Carlton. How are you doing there, Sophia? Good, good. Thank you both for having me. Absolutely. Well, why don't we just start off, uh, you mind just giving us a little introduction? Uh, what do you do? You know, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently a senior manager at Accenture in our fraud transformation practice in North America. I've been in the fraud risk management space basically my whole career. If you're very lucky, I graduated. I got right into risk management and found fraud pretty quickly. Um, I've worked with all different types of clients, federal, state agencies, lots of different types of private sector clients. Um, and I love talking about fraud. So this is the perfect <laughs> podcast for me. Um, I'm also an award-winning thought leader. Um, I like to publish and speak about fraud a lot. So I'm just excited to be here with you both today. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you. Um, so we're going to start off here. Um, actually, maybe just give us a high level. What, generative AI, what are we talking about? Yeah, generative AI is a category of AI models and tools designed to create new content, right? So that's where I think it's a little bit different than what we've seen in the past, right? So it's where a user or a data source can submit a query or a data set to guide content creation. Mm -hmm. And content can be things like code, images, right? Audio, visual files. So there's really endless possibilities when we talk about generative AI. And most commonly, we're hearing a lot about chat, GPT, and, mm -hmm. and tools like that. That's one of them. So, and, and that's one. I mean, this is all out there. You can go out there on the internet and just you know, put, it, put it in there and play with it, I guess, if you want, as long as your company doesn't block it or your, you can use your personal computer. But so like chat GPT, that's, what do you do with that? You basically ask it a question and it just answers it using all the resources of the internet or what? You know, uh, yeah, when you put it simply, right, actually <laughs> me and my uh, partner used it to plan our honeymoon trip. We told it all the places we were going and asked it to tell us what restaurants we should go to, what hotels mm. we should stay at, what sites we should see. So there's a lot of fun ways to use it. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of practical uses as well, like in our day-to-day -day jobs, like manual things that we may not want to do, like reading through a procedure right. um, or creating like a... Uh, a, a flow, right? Like a process flow. Yeah, give me some Things steps like to do something. Right. Or yeah, I actually used it today to generate some questions for the podcast. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's things like, I mean, what is it called? Mid Journey, all kinds of cool. They're like graphical ones too. Yeah, there's a couple of different tools, Volley, Dolly, and Mid Journey, um, among others, that can be used to clone vocal patterns, mm. create audio files, and create fabricated photo and video media. So a little bit more, uh, a little bit different than some of the uses we're talking about now. So that's kind of like you hit that deep fake stuff they talk about, where they kind of pretends to be a celebrity or whatever. Exactly, yeah, deep fakes and voice cloning, mm. which can be particularly dangerous, right? Because the average person uh, may not know to be on the lookout for those types of things or what right. to look for, um, and it also has really negative consequences when we think about fraud risk management um, in government and really across all different types of organizations. Well, speaking of that, I mean, so yeah, let's just jump right into it. I mean, what are some of those fraud uh, risks that you're seeing with this kind of technology out there? 
Yeah, so I think um, the way I see it is Gen AI impacts fraud risk in a couple of different ways, right? It enables fraudsters to push fraud to the next level. Mm-hmm. And it also provides a new tool uh, to enhance abilities to commit fraud or new types of fraud. And that's where we get into the ability to create things like fictitious audio, video, images, and documents that appear genuine. Mm. Um, so when we talk about pushing things to the next level, the big one that we have to talk about is social engineering. Right? All of us have gotten those texts, emails, calls, mm. right, pretending to be yeah. someone they're not, or asking us to buy a bunch of uh, gift cards, which happened to my sister-in-law just a couple weeks ago. Mm. One of the common red flags of something like that is grammatical errors, spelling errors, right? With, with generative AI, yeah. we may not see that anymore. Not seeing that anymore, right. Yeah, a lot more sophisticated, a lot more effective, and as such, a lot more difficult to detect. Well, I was going to say on that, so just the other day, I ordered something from someplace. It wasn't Amazon, if you believe that. It was somewhere else. <laughs> um, and I got this follow-up text, you know, just some random text. Hey, I saw you bought this thing. Would you like to upgrade this thing here? And that I was like, huh, is this a bot? What's going on? Because now I'm like suspicious of everything, mm-hmm. you know. So it's almost like it is. It's easy to start blurring the line of, is this real? Is is it? Is it really a person? Is it? Is it a you know AI doing this? I mean, is it, it's going to get to that stage where you just, you can't tell the difference, right? Right, and it could be that sophisticated. It could see that you sent an email, then follow up on that email and text you something, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Very scary. I'm thinking Skynet while we're talking here. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, um, Fraud of the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what? So again, like you know, you're talking about. So okay. So it's going to be better at the whole. You know, you had the phishing emails and even the phishing texts, and they were kind of like spelled badly. But now it's going to not spell badly. Um, you know, it's going to have this the capability of of faking like images and 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 sound and all, you know people's voices. Tell us more about that, or what, what are some things that are popping up? Yeah, I think a lot of the clients that I've worked with, right, when we talked about things. Like someone's calling you to initiate a transaction or someone's emailing mm. you. There's a lot of trust that people put into that. Yeah. Like, well, I recognize their voice. Mm. I've okay. worked with them for years. Yeah. Right. And so when we think of something like voice spoofing, that becomes really dangerous mm. because now they sound like what they should sound like. They know what we think they should know. Um, and it helps facilitate larger scale fraud schemes or more impactful fraud schemes. Right. Um, an interesting case happened in 2019 where scammers use the AI-generated voice clip of an energy group CEO to convince their UK subsidiary CEO to send a couple hundred thousand dollars to a fictitious supplier. And it was mm. successful. And that's not the only example of that. I think I've been talking to my clients about deepfakes for years, and now we're starting to take them seriously, yeah. right, when I feel like I've been ringing mm-hmm. the alarm. But I'm glad that we're starting to take them seriously be- because they do pose a threat, and they're difficult to detect if we rely on the things that we have relied on well, that's freaky. So give us a couple of thoughts, like things that, things that might be directly relevant to government programs. Yeah, one know. of the things that I, when I think about government programs, right, there's a lot of documents, right? I submit documents about who I am, what I'm doing, where I work, who's in my household, right? And we put a lot of reliance on those documents as we verify, authenticate people, and then issue, right, funds as part of the programs, right, that they're yeah. involved in. Um, Generative AI provides the ability to forge documents a lot more easily. Hmm. That's both for your average applicant, right, or beneficiary of a program um, who's doing more opportunistic fraud, right? Like, I want to continue to be eligible, so now I'm going to generate fictitious documentation that helps showcase I'm still not working, for example. Mm -hmm. But also organized crime, right? We saw organized crime syndicates really hit government programs during the pandemic, 
and it's unlikely that now that they found right the jackpot that they're going to yeah. slow down. And that type of fictitious documentation on that large of a scale is really going to help enable those schemes. How do you how do you fight against that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where your fraud technology is really important. Mm-hmm. There are like different technologies out there today that say they help identify fictitious documentation. Yeah. I think the shift that the industry will have to make is making those adjustments not just for the fictitious documentation of yesterday, but for the fictitious documentation of tomorrow. So what are those new or novel red flags that we need to be looking for that says this was generative AI produced and it's not legitimate? Because they will be different than before. Wow. Well, that's very scary. I'm thinking while you're talking, I'm thinking college applications. Right. <laughs> they could be using, my daughter could be using this to fill out applications to college. So very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, all the stuff that happened with the CARES Act and all the money that went out mm-hmm. there. I mean, tons of fraud, obviously, more than ever. Billions and hundreds of billions, whatever the numbers. I mean, I, and I imagine the vast majority of that fraud probably wasn't even using anything like this. Yeah. Right. It was just good old-fashioned fraud, right? It's timing. They wanted to get the money out, right? Yeah, so what's going to happen now when that happens again and now the technology is ready for it to kind of mm-hmm. take advantage? I mean, that's pretty scary. So, again, I mean, I mean that kind of going back to that, you know, how do you combat this? I mean, actually using the tools of the trade against against itself. I mean, what 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 do you recommend? Yeah, you know, I think we can think of Jenny I as something that's going to enable fraud, but it also enables fraud mitigation. Yeah. Um. So, generative AI can be used in a lot of different ways to combat fraud. Um. One of the examples that I was just reading about yesterday is as part of investigations. So a lot of times, investigators have a lot of data to go through. Um, particularly in government organizations maybe don't have right the tools in place or the technology in place that kind of sifts through a lot of that for them or aggregates it for them. And so investigators are spending a lot of time on, I would say, like lower value activity, right? Mm-hmm. They're user, or sorry, they're data gatherers rather than data users, right? And we want them to be using that data, not gathering that data, analyzing that data for hours. So Generative AI, right, we can input that data set with some criteria and, and have it tell us what are the high-risk transactions that I need to focus on or where do we think there's potential fraud. And maybe now that data set goes from thousands of rows to a handful or even a hundred, right, would be better. Mm-hmm. And it helps kind of move or shift us away from that really reliance on manual review and let technology help us combat fraud and identify it more quickly. I think there's also a lot of applications in fraud modeling Right, so fraud modeling takes time, um, and there's a lot of tuning and management that goes along with that, and so Generative AI can help generate new programming code. It can help complete incomplete code, and it can also help translate code from one programming language to another. Hmm. And so it doesn't mean we don't need coders, right, or data scientists, but it helps us do that job more quickly. And the mark of an effective fraud risk management program is a program that's adaptable and flexible, because as we're seeing and as we've been seeing, fraud landscape is constantly changing. And disruptions in other industries or in technology, right, also end up disrupting our fraud landscape. So having the ability to be more adaptable and flexible in the models we rely on to prevent and detect fraud is a huge win, right? It's something that will make us more effective and more efficient. And those are just a couple of examples. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I've heard about, so, I mean, going back to the the deep fakes and things like that. I mean, there are things that detect deep fake too, right? I mean, there's technology out there to, to combat against that as well, right? Right, and there is some today and it will continue to evolve. Yeah. So it's important to make sure that the technology you invest in, and I, I know we'll talk about that more in strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Is adaptable and flexible with you. Right, 
So yeah, and again with the ChatGPT, something that could detect that this was created by by ChatGPT, perhaps. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. But I mean, that's I mean for government, that's a thing though. I mean, ironically, it has so much money, but it's very slow to spend on things that it needs sometimes. So <laughs> I mean, how do you? I mean, it could probably be part of your strategy discussion, but. Yeah, I mean, what does a government agency do? They have all these other priorities, all these other... I mean, it takes them two years just to get a budget or whatever. So, I mean, by that time, some new tool's already out there, you know, infiltrating their systems. It's just the speed to combat is is, is kind of something I'm worried about. Yeah, but. I think that's something that all agencies should be worried about because this will evolve quickly. Like, we are at a great time right now to start doing something about it. But the mm-hmm. longer we wait, the more it evolves, the more effective it will get. And then the tools we have today are even more irrelevant. Right, so yeah. it's important to do whatever we can to start at least understanding how AI-enabled fraud will impact your agency and also what are the small steps you might be able to take. Do you know if there's a government agency that's kind of taking the lead on this? Is, is OMB taking the lead on this? Is GAO taking the lead on this? Like, who in the federal government's taking the lead on this, if anyone? It's a great question, and I don't know, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I know Intel, that... Intel, they might be doing something we don't know about. Well, <laughs> Intel, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> FBI, maybe. I mean, I, I know GAO has a, a data lab, yeah. innovation lab, yeah. and they do test a lot of this technology. And you know, that's relatively new, so I'd be interested to hear hmm. more about that. What they're, what where they're at at this point. Yeah, so absolutely. I know you touched on it, but can you give us more input into how AI will affect overall ERM fraud strategy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think. When we talk about fraud strategy um, across government, it's sort of a hit or miss, right? Some agencies are doing it, some aren't. But mm-hmm. fraud strategy is really important. Um, I worked with a couple agencies who had some who had some type of strategy, but maybe they looked at it every five years, or once a year, or maybe even they're once just a looking quarter. at improper payments. Right. And that's all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of like we wrote it down, and now it's collecting dust <laughs> yep. uh, on a shelf somewhere, right? So it's important for fraud strategy to, I'm going to say these words again, right, be adaptable and flexible. Mm -hmm. We can't just let it sit stagnant. Fraud strategy needs to evolve as the landscape evolves, and sometimes it evolves more quickly than once a year. So I think that's where generative AI kind of coming up now is a perfect example of this type of industry disruption that requires immediate attention, right? This is where we do a type of ongoing fraud risk assessment. Right, you need to be agile. And we didn't see that type of agility during the pandemic, right? And it did result in however billions (laughs) of fraud losses. And in some cases, agencies did do their best, right? They had things come down, changes happened, right? We can only do what we can do. But there was still an opportunity to be more proactive. Mm -hmm. Maybe we couldn't predict it, but once it was happening, we could have taken a step back to Mm -hmm. say, how will this impact fraud? And is there anything we can do without kind of stopping funds from going people's needs? Um, I think that's a good example of where a little bit more proactiveness would have been effective, mm-hmm. very effective, right? I'd even closing mm-hmm. the door a little bit a month down even would have helped because it was like a year where the gates were wide open. Yeah. Um, I think that's where generative AI presents another opportunity, but for us to do it better this time, right? Where we have this disruption, we can be proactive, we can understand what AI-enabled fraud is going to look like for us, and we can start to understand where our controls are strong and maybe where we have gaps. And maybe we can't fix those gaps today, but we can have a strategic plan to fix those in the longer term. Sure, great, great. So can you give us an example of how to use and how to prepare for the next emergency? How are you gonna use AI? How are you gonna use Gen AI to prepare? You know, I think um, generative AI has some interesting applications when you talk about risk assessment and risk modeling. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good example of how it could help with that. 
But I think it's also just a good example of how government needs to lean into agility, right? To use your word, like this is just another example of where we don't want to get left behind. We don't want government funds to get in the hands of people who are not eligible, who don't even live right in this country, mm-hmm. right? Organized crime syndicates across the world. Right. I think that's where integrity, right? We talk about program integrity a lot in the government space yep. at the forefront, but we can't do that, right, if we're not proactive. So it's sort of putting our money where our mouth is mm-hmm. and taking that step to be proactive. So I think it's less about how generative AI can help, although it can, and more about how this is going to be another lesson for why broad risk strategy and proactive mitigation are important. That's great. Yeah, yeah I imagine on the commercial landscape, they're much, much further ahead because they need to be. They need to watch their bottom line, whereas federal, it's kind of lagging a little bit, if you will. Yeah, and I've even seen some of my private sector clients struggling with this, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is something that I think is difficult for lots of different industries, whether the culture of the company, right, where they can invest, where they've already invested in it's hard to let go of certain technologies sure. that just won't yeah. stand the test of time. So I think it's something that really all organizations are sort of dealing with right now and figuring out how they're going to approach this. Um, so, But I guess it goes back into your overall enterprise risk management approach, period, because it's just another type of risk out there. Yeah. So like how, you know, what's what's the possibility? How, how What would be the impact? What particular pieces of my or, yeah. organization what's would it impact? What's your risk appetite? What's your appetite? Yeah. To, you know, I mean, I think all of that, this is just another, you know, specific type of threat you have to consider and look at your overall ERM program and see how you're going to deal with this thing. I mean, because a question I had for you, um, Sophia, you know, fraud risk assessment, you know, do you have the right controls in place? I mean, do we even understand what this technology can do to realize what type of controls we need? You know, or how do we, you know, it's, it's almost like a brand Ask new chat thing. GPT. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, do, how do we, how does an organization understand even the capabilities of these of this software so they can try to prevent problems. Yeah, I think it's really understanding the risk first, right? So if we understand that document forgery is gonna be a bigger problem, Mm -hmm. what are we using today to help us identify legitimate documentation? Yeah. And do we think that's gonna stand the test of time as generative AI enabled document forgery becomes more prevalent? Because today it's not not the big thing yet, but it will be, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's more understand your risks, understand the tools you're already using because this is generative AI enabled, they're not new progress right right, right. it's enabled in a different way so there was always like types of social engineering schemes now they look different but it's it's the same flavor right we're trying to get your money we're trying to get your sense of information and we're tricking you in some way into doing that um so i think it's more understanding those like traditional more like long-term controls you've had and how maybe they're not going to work and there's not maybe a concrete answer yet but there will be right so like i mean like what's in place now what are you using now to try to prevent something circumventing that control and how is this new technology evolving to defeat that? Right. So like what the, you got your password and then you have to text you a code and you stick in the code. I mean, could AI get that code and put it in there just like you or hit the little box with, you know, check the little box where, where's a car, where's a street, you know, the little visual thing that could could generate, you know, generative AI defeat those things. I mean, (laughs) CAPTCHA, whatever. I mean, all those, I mean, that's actually a question. Do you know that is is that kind of stuff already going to be like defeated by this type of technology? Are you seeing that? 
know, not something that's come up in what I've been looking at, but it could be a possibility. You would, I mean, it's almost like you have to assume that it will. You well, I think I think the <laughs> listeners of the podcast, <laughs> someone will take it on. Yeah, someone will let us know what they find, right? Yeah. But I think when we think about generative AI, it's right that content generation. So mm. I think that's maybe where there are probably other technologies that will evolve that may continue to disrupt what we're looking at and disrupt controls. But even when we talk about social engineering, right, this seems maybe more sophisticated. But all that means is we need to change what we're telling our employees are red flags. Right? We need to update the way we talk to our customers. We're yeah. like, hey, we've been telling you that grammatical errors and spelling errors is a red flag. That may not be the case anymore. Now mm. these are the different types of things that we're seeing. So it can be as simple as that, right, where the red flag shift, we tell people about that, and we arm them with the information to protect themselves and the agency. Yeah, the education, in, in the training, the training piece of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, how important is that training? I mean, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, of course, like most of us have to take at least an annual security type training for our company or our government clients. And I notice every year they, they put in new things like yeah. vishing and swishing and whatever, all kinds of crazy Tishing. terms. Yeah. Tishing, I don't <laughs> even know. So now it's going to be, you know, all this stuff in here, all this generative AI is going to be on the list. But I mean, I mean, obviously it's important, but wh what are your thoughts on training? I think training can become... Um, difficult to engage with because we have so many different required trainings. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think some of the things that I've been talking to my clients about is getting to that next level of fraud training, right? Just telling people what risks are is not going to have the impact that we think it will. So using real case studies, right? Interactive components um, and even training in the metaverse, which is an interesting uh, like example that we're kind of exploring um, in spaces like, uh, like in banking, like tellers and having them actually run through scenarios oh, yeah. with yeah. fraudsters and the legitimate customers. So I think evolution of training and the technology we use should match the evolution of what we're seeing in the fraud landscape. But I do think we need to shift away from the long PowerPoints with lots of definitions and actually have people test out those skills in real time because that's where it's going to make or break. That's the first time I've heard someone say metaverse in like over a year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I could bring it back up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, and I mean, training, like general training for everybody, okay, that's nice awareness, but like you said, people with certain positions, like a teller or a, yeah. obviously somebody who handles money every day for the government, mm -hmm. they probably need very more specific and Tell relevant, yeah. tailored training, yeah. role-based, interactive, you're actually having to perform a scenario, like you said. Because um, also, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, a lot of inter interactions that have been in person, well, now we can do hybrid or over the Teams call or over the, mm -hmm. you know, I would assume that makes you more vulnerable to these kind of new technologies too, right? It certainly can. Yeah. yeah because of the ability to the spoofing and all that. And spoofing, yeah. yeah. You can think you're talking to someone you know, and it's this is a deep fake of that person. Hmm. Well, and again, like you know, I think we've all kind of had the spam phone calls. Now we we can kind of sort of tell when they're fake. I mean, but I mean, it's just going to get better and better, right? I mean, you're not going to be able to de de detect it. Yeah. Um, absolutely. We have to stay more vigilant, and yeah. I think it's. Just like we learned to understand now, right? Because not everyone was an expert. Mm -hmm. But now, like you said, a lot of people can tell, like, oh, this is a fake call. Hang up, hang up. Or I don't mm -hmm. even pick them up anymore. Yeah. Or even our phones tell us that we think this is a spam call. Right. Um, I think we'll see a similar evolution, right? Right now it's big and it's scary and we don't know. Mm -hmm. But eventually we will get to that same place of we understand generative AI. Maybe like we were talking about before we were recording, right? It's a little creepy. Maybe it doesn't <laughs> say words creepy. exactly the way, the way we think it should, or it's yeah. really pleasant. Like it's extremely polite. You know, right. I've seen a lot of the chat GPTs. Like what person is that polite? <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you, you can know? find a rude chat GPT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we can train out some of my old bosses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can write just like them. But I think that's where it might be big and scary today, but just like we've learned through kind of the current landscape, we will learn this one as well. 
Well, I mean, would it be fair to say too, like, I mean, so here's another hot topic. I mean, a lot of agencies are, agencies and companies are just banning it. Like you can't use yeah. the app on your computer. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Because there's, there's the banning, I'm scared of it, or prevent, you know, you know, what do you call it? Like zero gapping it, or well, how about embracing it? And like you said, using it for your, or learning, understanding it better. I mean, it's gotta be a balance in there somewhere. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's a balance, right? Yeah. Like, I think some of the bans have come from um, the lack of security in these tools, right? So people may be putting sensitive information in there. Uh, yeah. And it's not a secure tool, right? Don't yeah. dump in government information into ChatGPT. But I think finding ways to use the tool securely um, and even starting small, like what are some mundane tasks that would just really help and your employees can focus on higher value activities that we need, right, those human minds on. Mm. So I think there's a way to leverage it. It's just a balance. We want to keep security, right? We want to protect information and data, but also how can we use this kind of novel technology to make our agencies more effective and efficient and better help the people we're aiming to serve? Yeah, because I think if you don't understand it, then you're not going to be able to either A, use it for your advantage, or B, fight against it. I mean, you're just going to be scared of it. That's not very productive. Right, exactly. So, um, all right, Whitney, I mean, anything else you want to, you know, mention about this as far as a, a risk perspective, a fraud perspective, just even if people want to learn more about it, you know? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I always recommend to my clients is stay abreast of what's going on, right? Read articles where you like to read, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Your news Stay up to date on what's going on. I think there's a lot of places to find good information on generative AI and the impact on risk management or even just um, the way we do things today. So I think learn more about it. Um, stay vigilant. Um, and, of course, update your fraud strategy. Yeah. Um, and be proactive now because now is the perfect time well, to get ahead. Update it and implement it. And implement, implement it, right? Let's just thing, not right? say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's do it. So those would be my uh, closing thoughts. Okay, well, I really appreciate uh, you joining us today, yeah. Sophia, and this was a great conversation. Awesome. I think it's just one of many. Thank this you. is like the new thing, you know, yeah. RPA, AI, all these things are just jumping off, you know, getting really hot and popular now, which, hey. Um, so, well, again, my, my, yeah. my thought is, is how many folks have this on their risk register, right, mm -hmm. With, within their ERM? How many folks have something related to this on their risk register right now? Yeah. And then after this podcast, I'm sure they're updated. But then you got to tie that to get in the, the funding for it to go implement it. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Everybody go look at your, uh, <laughs> your strategy and start well, up your risk it. register. Yeah. You register Is Jenny enabled fraud on there or not? Right. One takeaway. <laughs> Probably should be. All right. Well, with that, that's our show. And uh, thanks again for tuning in and listening. And uh, we're going to have many more coming up here soon. We've got a lot scheduled. But uh, until next time, this is your host, Paul and Dan here, signing off for uh, a good one. Uh, wrist chats with a firm.